Hello there. It's time for most things Kenobi. I prefer all things Kenobi, but I suppose that's not the Jedi way. As long as it's not all things Anakin. Welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Leanne. And I'm your host, Lauren. And once again, we're coming to you from across the kitchen. (laughs) We're recording in the presence of one another, which we usually do long distance, but since we're visiting one another, we have the pleasure of actually recording several episodes together. So... Just a disclaimer that you may hear some feedback, some uh, mic bleed, some sounds of my cat eating his kibble, but uh, we apologize. We're doing the best we can from, from what we have here for our makeshift st- studio recording area. Yeah, our kitchen recording studio that doesn't come with mixers or sound yes, proofing. No, or- no sound buffer insulation like we usually have. Yeah. So anyway... It's been a real fun time being together with you, like we said in the last episode. Yes. But we're going we're gonna to get depressed. It's time, time to get depressed. <laughs> Today is a sad day. It's feel bad for Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon hours. Like we said, it's always Qui-Gon o'clock and most things can happen. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. Yes, we're focusing on those two. It's going to be fun, but sad. It's one of those subjects that kind of uh, is so interesting. It's like you can't look away from it, but it also always hurts. Yes, the Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn relationship. The master and apprentice, friend and friend, father figure and son figure. Yes, definitely. I love them. I do too. And I love like the complication of their relationship. And I kind of... (laughs) have expanded it so now I can't remember (laughs) what's canon and what's something I've written (laughs) which by the way if you haven't written her stuff fantastic Qui-Gon Jinn oh thank you material oh you're very kind it's so good it's fun to write him because I feel like I am him well we didn't get enough of him I don't think I don't think he's such a complicated and really kind of almost mysterious character yeah but what we know of him I really like and I really respect him as a character and as a Jedi. Yeah, I do too. I like that he didn't take shit from the council. I like that he kind of was a bit of a maverick in his his way. But also, he just seemed very sure of himself and very steady. And Mm -hmm. that's always fun. I can't wait to read the comic you gave me of Qui-Gon. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, that is on my next, like, to read list because... I can't get enough Qui-Gon. <laughs> the Age of the Republic. Yes. But they also have other versions of it. I'm sure people listening know what we're referring to, but it's the artwork in it is fantastic. They actually announced that series at Comic-Con the year yes. that you and I went there and met. Yeah. I went to their Star Wars literature panel, and they announced that they were going to do that series, and I was really excited because they were going to do one about Qui-Gon and one about Obi-Wan. I haven't seen the Obi-Wan one. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Have you read it? Yes. Oh, I got to Yes, it's good. I'm not going to say anything. I remember that there's beautiful hair in it. Oh, but I mean, without a doubt. I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of flowing, gorgeous hair. I really want all the other ones too, but I haven't, I haven't accumulated them. I haven't, yeah, I haven't been keeping up or following them too closely because I, I'm trying to catch up on all the novelizations. There's so much material. There's so much material. 
Some of it great, some of it not so great, but I feel like if you don't at least keep up with what the subject matter is, you're lost. Yes. You're oh totally lost. You're, you drown in the material. They did release, they released Master and Apprentice, I think, when I was at Star Wars Celebration the following year in 2019. And I couldn't get a copy. It was sold out instantly everywhere. So I think I ended up buying that as an audiobook because the guy who reads the audiobooks, he's able to do an exact copy of both Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson. He's pretty good at sounding like the characters. So that's that was more fun to listen to than to read, I think. But it wasn't that fun to read. I was really cranky reading that story. It happens. Because they, they portray Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon as being very contentious all the time. Which I don't believe. It doesn't come through that way in Phantom Menace, which is our only real example of their relationship besides the little snippets you get in Clone Wars. But yeah, they always make it seem like Qui-Gon doesn't really want anything to do with Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's always kind of disappointing him. And they're just never on the same page, which is not how I see the characters. I didn't interpret them that way either. I interpreted it as if there was any distance that Qui-Gon kept between him and Obi-Wan, it was like a father would. Obi-Wan obviously respected Qui-Gon quite a bit, and for many good reasons. And I feel like Qui-Gon deeply cared about Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. His mannerisms, the way he... He's so calm and collected, and I could see how that would be taken as someone who doesn't want anything to do with somebody. But honestly, it's composure doesn't mean that they don't want anything to do with the person. Right, it's not like a lack of... yeah empathy or compassion no which i think qui-gon possessed quite a bit of and was conveyed by liam neeson quite well in my opinion oh yeah he brought a lot of warmth i think to a character who could have been very flat especially compared to all the other performances and phantom menace some of them are quite flat and his his is not his is more layered and and like i said it has a lot of warmth to it that i kind of forget about until i rewatch the movie and you and I just rewatched it in that moment with Shmi where he asks if she's going to be all right. And he like has his hand on her shoulder and like rubs his thumb on her shoulder. Like it's more of a concerned caress than it is like, yeah, you sure you're going to be all right. Cool. See you later. We yeah. just took your son. Like it's not, there's a difference there. You can see that he really understands the magnitude of the moment and how that could really be hard for a mother. I think those little moments are probably brought to the character by Liam Neeson. I don't imagine that was written in the script. I could be totally wrong. It's totally me just projecting out there. But those are the the little telltales for me that indicate he's he's full of compassion and kindness. To think of him as like constantly contentious with somebody doesn't ring true to me. Especially not somebody that he spends every single day with for how many years? You know, it's, I don't know. Have you read any of the Master and Apprentice books? I haven't. And I don't want to based on your review of them. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, I read through all of them a couple of years ago, and they were, like, really disappointing. I mean, they're, they're not even young adult. They're, like, middle school books. Mm-hmm. So they're very tame. Very tame. Mm-hmm. But Obi-Wan is about to grow too old to even be an apprentice. He's the last age you can be, and if you're never picked by a master, you're basically sent off. They were going to send him to the Agricorps, so he's going to be a farmer, basically. He would have been a wonderful farmer. Yeah, but he's definitely got too much anger and like pent-up energy to farm. If he had the patience to try and grow Anakin into a decent Jedi, he would have patience to grow a seed into a full crop. I truly believe this. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anakin is a crop. He is. It went sour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Oops. so sad. Too soon. Coming from me, I'm I'm blasphemous. <laughs> How dare you say such a thing about Anakin? I understand who he is. Well, Qui-Gon doesn't even, he hasn't even been at the temple for a while. He's more like Quinlan Voss, where he's like not there. And he comes back and Yoda basically forces him to take Obi-Wan as an apprentice. And he doesn't want him because he's too emotional. He's too hot-tempered. And so the whole foundation of their relationship, according to these legends books, because they're not canon, they're non-canonical, but is that like Qui-Gon doesn't even want Obi-Wan. That's just so fucking depressing to me. I like can't stand that approach to their relationship because it's not at all what it seems like in Phantom Menace. No, and I think Obi-Wan would be enough of a perceptive student to see if his master or future master would not want him and he would feel that and it would show in the relationship if that were the case and it does not show in the relationship according to my opinion or shall I say from my point of view. (laughs) From a certain point of view. Yes. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And he does. He's aware of it in the in the books. He knows that he's never good enough. And that wouldn't lead a person to be such a successful Jedi as an adult mm-hmm. who's very confident and mm-hmm. very stable. And so, yeah, it just doesn't seem to ring true to me. The most fascinating thing is when we did our What Makes a Great Jedi episode, we asked the question, who's your favorite Jedi? Who do you think was the best Jedi? And it was an overwhelming response in favor of Qui-Gon being the majority. Which, if you think about it, if you base it on the, the movies alone, we get one film. And people still think, and I'm in agreement, he's, he's up there. He's up there in the list. I mean, you and I already talked about it. But I think that's impressive. Most impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god! I love it was that. right there. It was dangling. I had to take. You it. had to. You had to. It's <laughs> it's too easy. It'd be a shame to miss it. Seriously. <laughs> but I think it speaks volumes, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the very, like you said, the fact that we got one movie, and obviously he's not even in every minute of it, and people agree that he's pretty much the most balanced. Second place was Luke. Yes. And they are very similar in certain ways. But yeah, I I definitely think that that speaks a lot to his character and his portrayal. Mm -hmm. And I do think that a lot of that has to do with Liam Neeson. A different actor would have made it a different interpretation altogether. And I think it's great that he's the only person who's ever played Qui-Gon, even with voices, you know, in, in the animated stuff. Yep. Which, I mean, come on back for the Kenobi series, please. Please. It's going to be the shit your pants moment. I mean, there's probably going to be several. Oh, I'm sure. I'll probably shit my pants after every episode. And listen, folks, we will cover that right here every week. Yes, we will. On Most Things Kenobi when the show drops. Episode by episode. We're going to be exhausted trying to keep up with it. Yeah, it's going to be worth it. I just think between, I mean, Obi-Wan's response when Qui-Gon dies is heart-wrenching. Yes. And Obi-Wan carries that with him forever Mm -hmm. it affects his decisions it affects his mood it affects his relationship with anakin which is very difficult and and complicated at the beginning there Mm -hmm. i don't know what do you think did you you feel that obi-wan was slighted when qui-gon immediately said i will train the boy i think so i think there's there's a moment they make a point of showing how he turns and looks at qui-gon like what like the fuck yeah i don't i wasn't in on this plan since when He quickly rises to the occasion saying, I know I'm ready to take the trials, but I do think that it was like 
a very fast decision by Qui-Gon. He meets this random kid and within a few days is like, well, I'm trading you in old apprentice for the new apprentice. And whether or not he really thought he was the virgin, it was just like kind of careless, I think. But it's a testament to Qui-Gon's deep belief system. He deeply believed that this kid was the chosen one and, and he deeply believed that you know, the council wasn't everything. And we see Obi-Wan actually say, like, shouldn't you be following the code? If you followed the code, you'd be on the council. Yeah. Qui-Gon's just like, nah, it's all right. I got it. I got this. Strong beliefs. Definitely. And, you know, I know they made the film long before they wrote the book Master and Apprentice, but Qui-Gon is offered a place on the council in Master and Apprentice, and he has to decide because it would mean ending his relationship with Obi-Wan early. Like, knowing that he wasn't done being his master, but if he took the place on the council, it was kind of like something he'd always been striving for. And by the end of the book, he kind of realizes that that's not the path he wants to take. But it's sad because Obi-Wan becomes aware that Qui-Gon is trying to make that decision. So he's on pins and needles the whole time wondering if he's going to be abandoned or if he's going to be... Is like, is Qui-Gon going to stay with him out of pity? And it, it's interesting because then from that, they go on into Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And so it's a kind of an interesting setup, which again, it's very in keeping with the Jedi Apprentice approach. So it's kind of, it's just sad. And like, honestly, I'm not to shit talk this book because it was interesting. You're allowed to have an opinion. It just like- This is your opinion. (laughs) It is. It's my opinion. I do not represent any larger, you know, organization other than myself. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I did feel like Qui-Gon was just kind of a jackass. He was an asshole in the book. And especially the beginning- quickly judgmental and yeah I don't know I didn't like the portrayal of either of the characters really especially considering how much they flesh out Obi-Wan in particular but Qui-Gon a little bit also in Clone Wars mm-hmm. because Qui-Gon comes back in the Lost Missions you know yeah. when, when Yoda goes to find more about the Force Qui-Gon's consciousness because he's not a body he's just a consciousness like comes to Yoda and helps him the thing that really strikes me about the end of Phantom Menace is that Obi-Wan's path totally changes direction because of Anakin Mm -hmm. and he never got the path that most people take you know where you graduate (laughs) to Jedi Knight and then you have a break (laughs) yeah and then you go on into being a knight and doing those things he just went from knight to master instantly well not jedi master but like you know padawan and yeah yeah. he went from being a student to a teacher instantly Mm -hmm. and like also anakin was behind because he was older and he didn't do it by choice he did it by a promise that he made to qui-gon so that's heavy that's heavy shit Right. And they're having to like get used to each other too Mm -hmm. because he didn't really have much interaction with Anakin. Mm -mm. Qui-Gon had all that interaction. Also, wouldn't it be hard? It would be hard for me. Let's let me phrase it this way. It would be hard for me to not have resentment towards Anakin or whoever this new Padawan, this this kid Mm -hmm. who Obi-Wan doesn't know. (sighs) The cat agrees. The cat agrees. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I would I would have some resentment. How emotionally difficult would it be? You just lost your master, your dad figure, your friend, and you promised this massive duty, this life debt, not a life debt, a, a, a lifelong promise that will lead to so many places. Yeah, I think it would be really hard to not feel a bit of resentment because there was also, like, they had that scene, thank goodness there was that scene where they kind of, like, made peace, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, 
after Qui-Gon basically disowns him in the council chambers, then they go to Naboo. They actually kind of like have a disagreement before they leave Naboo. And then he makes peace with Qui-Gon and then they go and instantly have the fight with Maul Mm -hmm. and he dies. All of these sequence of events could easily be blamed on Anakin, you know, if you're in the wrong mindset. Yeah. It's not his fault, but it's easy to project that onto somebody, especially when your life has been so altered instantly, you know? And it's very important for Obi-Wan to not let that show to this poor kid because that would... (laughs) I'm saying this pretending I don't know what happens. (laughs) But that could really alter this young child's feelings and his path if he harbors resentment or harbors any kind of emotional response because he thinks he's being blamed for all of this. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Anakin always missed Qui-Gon and there, there is kind of like the storyline or the headcanon out there that like Anakin wished that Qui-Gon had continued training him or that he would never have fallen if Qui-Gon had been his master instead yeah. of Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've actually had somebody Ask me that question on my Tumblr. My argument is always that George Lucas wrote it and always meant for him to fall. So, like, no matter what yeah. path he took, he would have always ended up in the same place because the story is about redemption, ultimately. Yeah. So he would have to have fallen at some point. We should probably talk about the saddest part. Yes. You go ahead. <laughs> you first. I mean, the duel with Maul is such an... It's like, I can't not watch that scene because it's so entertaining, but it's also so fucking crushing. It's yeah. soul crushing. It's Star Wars crushing. Yeah. I love the, the very end when he like holds Qui-Gon while he's dying. And the, we were just talking we about this. We were just talking. Where he, Qui-Gon reaches out and touches Obi-Wan's cheek, but is talking about Anakin while he's doing it. I don't know. It makes me wonder what... In that moment, you're probably not processing it. And then later, when you look back in that moment, you start to wonder, what did that all that mean? Mm-hmm. What do you think it meant? <laughs> I mean, I've written about it a little bit in some of my fics. That yeah. It was probably hard to realize you had given everything. I'm speaking as though I am Obi-Wan, like I would know. I don't know. This is my projection, right? That mm-hmm. like... If I were Obi-Wan, I would have realized that I'd given my life to serving my master and earning my place at his side since all the fanfic, or not the fanfictions, I'm sorry, the the novelizations of their relationship implied that Qui-Gon didn't even want him to begin with. So he had Mm -hmm. earned his place Mm -hmm. at his master's side only to be given up within minutes of him meeting Anakin. And then as his master lays dying, he only talks about Anakin and doesn't say anything about him, Mm Obi-Wan. So, yeah, I would say that that might percolate in the back of your mind a bit. Yes. Over the years, making you wonder what all of that meant and what your place means. Mm -hmm. And clearly he didn't hold it over Anakin, at least not openly. You don't see him mistreating him. He, like, finds it very important to keep his promise to Qui-Gon. It's the one physical link he has besides Qui-Gon's lightsaber Mm -hmm. that he has to Qui-Gon. So I could see that. But, I mean, still... Anakin's the only person he says he ever loved. Yeah. Out loud. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you interpret all of that? Like, how do you see either the scene in the council chambers or, like, Qui-Gon's death? Qui-Gon's death, I see it as, perhaps this is cold, but this is how I interpret it. Obi-Wan should have known how Qui-Gon felt. So instead of saying, he assumed everything that he taught him, everything that, all the little moments, all the subtleties, 
Obi-Wan, he would have trusted that Obi-Wan would have known. So the only thing he didn't know or didn't, or, you know, Obi-Wan, he knew Obi-Wan would listen to him. He would, he knew what kind of man Obi-Wan was, that he used those last few breaths to say, train the boy. You must, you know, this sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan did. And I, yes, do I wish he would have said something like, thank you for being a wonderful apprentice. You'll do well. Yeah, I, I would prefer that to have been, but I see it as Obi-Wan knew and Qui-Gon knew that he knew. I think that's really, that's really smart. I think you're right. And they, they probably added that scene in where they, he says, you know, I'm proud of you. You're, yeah. You'll be a far greater Jedi than I ever yeah. was or whatever yeah. to like appease the fact that they don't say anything as he's talking. Right. I think you're right. I think that's really a wise interpretation of it. It seems like the wise Qui-Gon thing. He's saying the like, most important. It's kind of like when Yoda dies. True. And his last breaths are spent trying to give information to Luke as much as possible before he passes away without yeah. any like sentimentality right. going on. That's a really good comparison. I didn't think of that. Well, damn. <laughs> That's depressing, too. Thanks, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> the usual Star Wars. <laughs> I love, too, how they add the details in Rebels mm. of the mm-hmm. fight with between Obi-Wan and Maul, where Obi-Wan starts the fight in his pose that he has in Phantom Menace and then mm-hmm. changes to Qui-Gon's and knows that Maul is going to use the same attack and hasn't changed and hasn't nope. grown. And Obi-Wan has changed and grown. And so when Maul attacks, he knows because he knows... Having watched Qui-Gon die with yes. this attack, he knows now how to defend against it. Yeah. I thought that was fucking brilliant, Filoni. And then, thanks, Filoni. <laughs> Filoni gets it. <laughs> and then he holds Maul, kind of like he ends up with Qui-Gon holding him. Yeah, and Satine. Oh, I for... How did I for... Oh. They all die the same way, oh. and they all die in his arms. <laughs> so fucking depressing. And Vader dies in Luke's arms. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> thanks, Star Wars. <laughs> Fuck you guys. No, but we truly thank you, Star Wars. <laughs> what other show do you know? Show? Universe? How dare I minimize it into a show? It's a whole galaxy now. It's a universe of greatness. That Can you talk about this much deep shit? Seriously, it's, yeah. I'm sure there are fandoms that are deep, but this one, it just keeps growing. I mean, I'm in the Marvel fandom. I could I could get deep about a few people. True. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I could about Batman and Dick Grayson. And Lord of the Rings. That is nothing but deep. Yes. Which is why I love it. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> a quick tangent that we are, you know, guilty of. <laughs> yes. Well, doesn't Qui-Gon come to Obi-Wan in the... Mortis arc? Yes. Yeah. I mean, when he appears in the Mortis arc, it's just to remind Obi-Wan oh, of his promise. That's shitty. Yeah. But again, is that a projection of Obi-Wan's consciousness? They never really made it no, clear. I, well, Ahsoka sees her older self. Right. And Anakin sees his mother. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's difficult. It's interesting because they each have a different experience, right? Like mm-hmm. Anakin's is manipulation. Yeah. When they they show that it's the brother or the son, I'm mm-hmm, sorry, mm-hmm. coming to him as his mother. Yeah. Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, they don't actually show if it's manipulation from an external source like it was for Anakin or if it's just their own consciousness projecting their own fears. I would vote consciousness because 
the son had a goal with Anakin. Anakin was pivotal. I mean, it was this, the Mortis thing was Anakin. The other two are there and being mind played with. Like, they're having visions. They're having questions being asked of them. Ahsoka turns, you know, fucking evil for 10 minutes and everyone's like, WTF. You know, there's things <laughs> happening on Mortis that don't happen anywhere else. Yeah. But the son was the one who manipulated Anakin in that moment. I think Ahsoka and Obi-Wan's were... It seemed to be projections of their fears. Yes. Like their, his fear of not fulfilling his promise to Qui-Gon and her fear of kind of like knowing deep down that there was something misleading about Anakin's teaching mm-hmm. method or his approach, his philosophy that would lead her astray someday if she kept following it. Which it didn't. No, it fact, didn't. it helped her. Yeah, I think succeed. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. She was often the like conscience on Anakin's shoulder mm-hmm. trying to rein him in and mm-hmm. being like patience master you know you're acting rashly and it's pretty interesting to see mortis is great because man i wish we'd gotten dark obi-wan there that would have been the only place it would have been possible ever a place it would have been there yeah i would like to do an episode on that someday oh we're gonna do (laughs) an episode on all dark obi-wan because that man we were robbed (laughs) that's why we have fan fiction yeah yeah exactly (laughs) your fan fiction (laughs) Kind of got to finish it. It's so much. It's so like, it's such a pressure on me to have it hanging over me, but I will get to it someday. You will. And it will be splendid. I have plans. (laughs) As we have talked about a little bit on this trip, I have plans for what's going to happen to everybody. It's going to be great. It is. If I ever get to it. To be continued. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So what would you like to see with Qui-Gon in the Kenobi series coming up? I would like to see some sort of communication between Obi-Wan and maybe Qui-Gon's consciousness. Um, An apology. Ooh. I think the Kenobi series should be fraught with apologies. Personal, sad apologies in Obi-Wan's home by himself as he wrestles with what he's been left with, mentally speaking. He obviously cares very much for this baby Luke who grows into child and then young adult Luke that he takes under his wing. But, oh, my God, the heaviness of it all. (laughs) It's going to be very satisfying. I hope it's going to be satisfying. I want a fall on your knees. I need to speak with you. This happened. I have nobody. Yeah. Qui-Gon, please come to me. I want that, too. Like, as as an emotional... Because, my God, if Obi-Wan doesn't keep it all in... I want the moment he releases it. Yes, I want that too. And maybe makes peace with some of it or begins to because this is... Do we know how long after Revenge of the Sith? No, I don't. I haven't read anything that says exactly how much time has passed because a couple of years, I think, because Luke is a little boy. Luke is a little boy. So I guess it would be after Rebels, wouldn't it? Or is it before Rebels? I think it's before before Rebels. So I want the moment where Obi-Wan releases. Because you... Look... No human can keep it locked inside for that long. Mm-hmm. I know I can't. When I have something that I'm dealing with and I hold it in, there's a moment where I just crack and it comes at the worst time. Like mm-hmm. one little thing will set off an emotional response. Yeah. Just a tidal wave. Something not even related. Yeah. Will be the thing that... Like he's polishing a teacup and it breaks and he's like, I hate everything that's happened. Yeah. I don't yes. know where you get a teacup on Tatooine, but damn it. If there is one, Obi-Wan would polish it. <laughs> oh my God, I want this scene. I think you should write this Kenobi You say series. that every episode. Perhaps I should. You should. I think that you have a calling. 
to write it at least as a fanfic. Don't get me started on what I think the Anakin slash Vader scenes should be with Obi-Wan. And we know Hayden and Ewan are together. Yeah. So. I know. I wonder if there's going to be, if it's going to be flashbacks or if it's going to be like current Anakin. Hayden's hair is quite Revenge of the sith Isn't it? I haven't. Sith-ish. <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> or not at all. It's, it's, uh, it's curly and long currently. Nice. Excellent. I know. Uh, the Skywalker's hair. God damn oh. it. It's good shit. It's good shit. <laughs> Those jeans, though. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, they could bring Qui-Gon back for an animated series of some sort, possibly like a young Obi-Wan Satin series, oh, now maybe. You're just, now you're just dangling <laughs> the, the, the hook the and carrot. the bait. Yes, like, yeah. for all the fans to go wild. Yeah, dear Disney and Dave Filoni. We would like this miniseries. Love all of the Star Wars fans. <laughs> Please and thank you. I think it would be amazing. Yeah. And if you need a writer or two, <laughs> we're available. <laughs> I am easily reached on Instagram or Tumblr. <laughs> Email us at mostthingskenobi at gmail.com. The look she just gave me from across the kitchen. <laughs> the first time I've wished that this podcast was visual. <laughs> We gave each other the same look. We did, just opposite directions. <laughs> Space twinning yet again. Oh my God. We do it best when we do it together. <laughs> hey, that's the slogan for Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Oh my God. Yes. End of episode, folks. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we do it best when we're together. So we would like to ask our fans and listeners, when the Kenobi series comes out, what would you like to see in the show? And specifically, what Qui-Gon moments would you like to see in the Kenobi TV series? Would you choose something like we talked about? Would you choose something totally different? Do you not want to see him at all? Mm -hmm. Do you think he should be left, you know, Kenobi goes on his own and figures this out on his own? Mm -hmm. What do you think? All right, as we prepare to announce next week's episode, we just want to say quickly, if you can hear the lawnmower in the background, we apologize. There's not much we can do about it right now. Like we said, makeshift recording studio. Yes, (laughs) this is live and realistic, people. From the kitchen. (laughs) Live from the kitchen. Yes. (laughs) So next week, I'm really excited. We're going to talk about why Rey from the sequel trilogy should have been a Kenobi. And Daisy Ridley did say herself... There was talk that she was going to be a Kenobi, so... Yeah, and it wasn't kind of decided until last minute. Yeah, which is a big problem in the sequels, in my (laughs) opinion. In my humble opinion, things should have been planned a little better. But we're going to get into why we think, Lauren and I, us, our opinion, why Rey should have been a Kenobi, why it would have worked. Yes. As two storytellers, this is how we would have done it. Yeah, because Lauren and I have had many a talk about why, oh man, this would have been great to play out. We're not dogging the sequels. It's just, this is what we we saw and thought might yes, have worked. Exactly. So. No shit talk here. No shade. No, just, no shade. We're just yeah. exploring alternatives. That, exactly. That's what we do. Yep. Last week, Leanne and I discussed the surprising similarities between Ahsoka Tano and Asajj Ventress, and we asked our listeners what they thought were the most significant parallels. Kid Clever on Twitter said... 
Ahsoka and Ventress were both cast out from the groups they were a part of. The difference lies in that Ahsoka was given an opportunity to come back, while Ventress was most certainly not. On Instagram, we got some interesting responses. A lot of people noticed that both Asajj and Ahsoka used Jarkai, or two lightsabers, which I thought was pretty interesting. And um, a lot of people noticed that they both had to choose their own code, basically, after they left the Jedi and the Sith. They were kind of out on their own, and they decided to live by a set of rules that they established. So whether you relate more to Ahsoka or you relate more to Asajj, I think there's a lot of inspiration to find in both characters. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. Remember to follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Plus, you can always find us over at mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my space twin, may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>